Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I want you to stop what you're doing, unless you're driving, and go sign up for our newsletter. We have the link in the show notes, and you need to get on it now because it is full of information. Our Lit newsletter comes out once a week, and it has everything that's happening in the Lit community, including classes, workshops, retreats, free classes, on and on. Plus, we have blog with recipes, articles, and every week we have a PT corner written by one of the many PTs in our Lit community. So we can help you with knee pain, text neck issues, pelvic floor discomfort, so much more. So join our newsletter, go to that link in the show notes. I'm Laura Hyman, and welcome to Redefining Movement, a lit podcast designed to investigate all aspects of movement from my background in physical therapy and neuroscience. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter movement patterns and compassion for ourselves and others. So together we can live our most uplifted lives, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Friday with Friends. Today, I have Corinne Ryder with me. Corinne is a functional medicine nutritionist, meditation and breathwork teacher, fitness trainer, author, wife, mama, and founder of Nutritious and Delicious. She has been a leader in the nutrition and wellness industry for the past 15 years, and we talk today all about functional medicine, what it is, what are the biggest complaints people are coming to her with. We talk about sleep, gut health hormones, all of it. So tune in and enjoy. Welcome, Corinne. I'm so happy to have you on today and to have you share your depth of knowledge for so many functional medicine. So welcome. Thank you. And thank you for hosting and having me. It's a real joy and honor. Well, first, let's talk about what is functional medicine. I think people are aware of that term, especially it is becoming more popular. But Probably a lot of people still don't totally understand what it means. Yeah. So functional medicine is a way of practicing. I like to explain it as the marriage between conventional medicine and holistic medicine. So everybody knows conventional medicine, where you have a doctor organ like a cardiologist or a neurologist or a gastroenterologist. And doctors have two tools. One is surgeries. And the other is medicine, pharma. The other end of the spectrum, you've got what's called holistic health or natural health. And that is very broad. That could be traditional Chinese medicine or Ayurvedic medicine or naturopathic medicine. And it could be herbs and it could be flowers and it could be homeopathy. There's lots of things that you can work with. And there's many tools. It can even be spiritual medicine. Functional medicine practitioners come from a more biological 
background. So they're mostly trained doctors, nutritionists, nurses, but they can also be holistic practitioners as well, but they have a background of science, but they have a very holistic overview. And what functional medicine says, there is a root cause or there are a few root causes for the disease. And so I always like to explain that, for example, if you had a very sore foot, you would go to your doctor and the conventional doctor would say, well, show me your foot. And you would show the doctor your foot and he would see these big four red ulcers on the bottom of your foot. And the doctor will probably clean them up and you put some cream on it and you'll say, rest the foot. And really, if you put the cream and you rest the foot and you don't walk, those sores are going to go away. But sure enough, you put your foot back in that shoe and those sores come back and you end up going back to the doctor and he changes the cream and he changes the medicine that you were taking. What a functional medicine physician will do, they will also look at the foot, but they will also look at the shoe. And in the shoe, they will see that you have four stones. And if you don't take out those four stones, every time you put your foot in that shoe, you're going to get hurt again. And that's what root causes are. And root causes, some of them are physical, like the food that you eat, the air that you breathe, your sleep, toxins that you're exposed to. And some of them are spiritual, mental, like trauma, stress. And if you don't address them all, then you don't really heal. And that's really what functional medicine is about. And what was your impetus to get into functional medicine? Yeah, that's a great question. I never trained, never thought I would be in this field. I actually studied a law degree and a finance degree and ended up working in a bank for the first half of my career. I really fell into functional medicine and into the whole nutritional world because I got really sick. So at age 18, I got Epstein-Barr virus, which is a very, very normal virus to get. It's very popular. It's called the kissing disease because it's transmitted through saliva. And at 18, you tend to kiss a lot of people. And then I got this Epstein-Barr virus and I ended up getting an autoimmune thyroid disease from it, Hashimoto's. At the time, I wasn't diagnosed with it. I was just told my thyroid was really slow and I was having this real fatigue take over me. And because my dad's a doctor, my dad's an MD, I got to see the best doctors. I went to see all the top guys and everyone was just like, oh, you're fine. Just take this medication. And every time I would come back and I'd be like, no, I'm really not fine. And they would be like, oh, swap the medication. And I started to notice that I was piling on conditions. I started off with the thyroid and the fatigue, and then it started my skin. I broke out in eczema all over my face and my body. Then I started to have real issues with my eyes where I was having real, real dry eyes and I couldn't put contact lenses in anymore. And being a young woman, that was a priority for me to not wear glasses today. I, I wear them pretty proudly. But, you know, it was a thing for me. And I was struggling with a lot of gut issues. I was struggling with a lot of candida. Nothing that was crippling, but it was affecting me. It was affecting my mood too. And I was secretly struggling with a lot of anxiety and depression. I was functioning because I am that type of personality that can function really well. But I think I had an aha moment when I was 25, when I was with a group of friends in Tokyo. And every time I would go out and have a big night, I would come back and I'd be like debilitated for two weeks. I couldn't work. I couldn't function. And I was lying in this hotel bedroom in Tokyo thinking, 
wow, all my friends, they can do it. They can party and they can work. And I'm so young and I'm just so fragile. And I thought to myself, something must be really wrong with me if I can't do this. And I started to Google and, you know, granted, this is like a good 15 or more years ago, even more. Google wasn't that amazing in those days and there wasn't that much information. But I started to read about maybe something that I'm eating. Maybe I can take something. Maybe there's a supplement that can help me. And that's how I actually got into nutrition. And I ended up enrolling myself in nutrition school, in naturopathic nutrition in Australia, in Sydney. I studied my first degree in medical nutrition. And I did it as a part-time thing in the evenings after work just to help myself. And that did help me a lot. I did feel much better and I got healthier. However, I didn't completely heal. I still had very high antibody levels to my thyroid. I then had my babies. And after my second child, my body went into a huge autoimmune meltdown. And I wasn't sure why. I was thinking, you know, I'm eating this beautiful organic food. I'm exercising. I live a very clean life. And that's when I found functional medicine. That's when I kind of dove deeper. And I realized that I had a lot of root causes that I wasn't addressing. I tell people, you know, it took me a good 15 to 20 years to really understand my root causes, to dig in, to figure it out, to peel the layers off. I had exposure to mold. I had lots of gut issues. I had a mouthful of amalgam fillings that were leaking mercury into me. I had taken copious amounts of medication, steroids and I was on the oral contraceptive pill for ages and ages. I had just so many root causes that I needed to work on to fix. And it took me a long time. And that's really where functional medicine saved me because I realized firstly what I needed to do. And then I made a plan and that gave me a lot of hope. You know, when you have a plan and you understand and you're like, okay, I know what I need to do. And it's going to take me time, but I'm going to feel better. And for me, you know, I have two autoimmune diseases and I have to say, I'm in my 40s now and I feel much more alive, much more vital than I did in my 20s. Not from like an external point of view, from an internal vital kind of point of view. And that I think I attribute to working through the functional medicine portal where I wouldn't have ever achieved that if I would have stayed in the conventional medicine world. There's a lot to go into there. Let's first just tackle mold because I feel like mold is one of those that people have no idea. You think you're going to just see mold growing and be able to identify it. You know, I just was with a friend of mine from college and she found out similarly, you just had a complete shutdown of her energy and everything. And all the doctors were saying, it's typical, you're a middle-aged woman with kids. And that was their answer. And finally, she went to a functional doctor and said, let's look into this. This sounds some underlying things are going on. And sure enough, there was mold toxicity. So how does one know, first of all, that they could potentially have been exposed to mold? And how do you test besides remediating? What else do you take to get rid of the mold that has been living in your body? So firstly, if you're not feeling well, you got to tackle the low-lying fruit. You've got to make sure you're sleeping well. You've got to make sure you're eating well, a non-inflammatory, good quality diet that's high in protein. You've got to make sure that you're exercising, you're moving well. If you've tackled all the basic stuff, you check your blood, you see you don't have nutritional deficiencies, you see that your thyroid is working well, you check your hormones. Are they functioning? Are they not? Is it some major stress that you're going through? I mean, I first tackle all the low-lying fruit before I go into mold. 
It is, though, a question that I ask a lot. I lived for a good 15 years in Asia, in Hong Kong and Singapore. Mold is a huge issue there because it's very hot, humid countries that they use a lot of AC. And I was pretty sure that mold is pretty much very popular there. However, that's not true at all. Mold is prevalent everywhere. And my first exposure to mold was in Sydney, which is also a very humid city, but it's not as hot and humid as, say, Asia. After I got into mold, I learned a lot about it. I realized that it's anywhere in the world that you use AC or heating. It's very hot outside and you're cooling your house. Then there will be mold forming in places where there's condensation. And the same if it's very cold outside and you're heating your house, then there will be mold forming in problematic areas where there's not enough ventilation. And that could be anywhere from bathrooms to closets to furniture. And today we also use furniture that's very cheap. And when we use cheap furniture as well, that's the type of furniture that actually gets moldy very quickly. So we don't realize it, but a lot of like our beds have mold. And also we're not very much aware about changing a lot of the things. Like not a lot of people know they need to change pillows and mattresses frequently. I mean, not every year, but every couple of years, there's a request for that. And those things gather a lot of dust mites and dust. There's a huge portal and feeding into the mold issue of the house. So, I mean, it all kind of works together. Dust, mold, they work together. Dust is the food of the mold. So it is something that I get into, but I don't rush into it. I first want to see if the rest of the stuff is working well. If I suspect mold, it will usually be with people that have a lot of upper respiratory issues like chronic sinusitis, for example. Chronic sinusitis is nearly always related to some sort of mold issue. Eczema in children is another big one that I see there's mold there. People with allergies and their allergy system is just hyperactive, like mast cell syndrome. You just get allergic to anything. You break out in hives and anything. Then I'm looking at mold. That's a big one as well. How do we test? There are tests that can be done. These are usually urine tests. They're functional medicine tests. So you have to do them through a functional medicine practitioner and you have to do them through someone that has access to these tests. These are not tests that you can get done like in a conventional doctor. But more importantly, actually, is having your house checked for mold. And you were right. It's not only that black mold that you see. Sometimes you have mold in the house that is not black. You can Google it and you can try and look for yourself. You can use a torch. You need to close the eyes, but you need to actually look under desks, behind fridges, and the little nooks and crannies in the house. And that's where you can see the growth of this, like a mushroomy type of growth that kind of grows on the furniture. And that's mold. Sometimes there'll be a very strong smell of mold. Like I've gone into cinemas and I've gone into older houses. You can smell the mold. And if you go into a place and you start sneezing, then you're like, okay, that's mold. My in-laws had a house and it was by the lake. And every time I would go in it, it would smell mildewy slash probably moldy. And I would have a headache within four hours and I always thought, that's good. I'm highly sensitive. Like my body's giving me quick feedback. Similar to smells. When you go into a car where somebody has a scented thing, that fake fragrance that feel like it's so toxic, it's like my body responds to that. Exactly. So really that's what we're looking for with mold is to kind of see if there isn't something in the house. It needs to be treated well. You can't just wipe it off with some vinegar or some Clorox. It needs to be treated. And then you need to learn how to keep your house mold-free which is a lot to do with ventilation and also cleaning areas that are prone to mold growing areas. 
And this is very important to do this with proper protection gear, because if you then clean it and breathe it all in, that can get into your lungs and that's very dangerous. And then if we do know that you've had mold exposure, then we need to work on helping you detox it out. And that needs to be done very meticulously. All functional medicine practitioners should take detox very seriously because it can make you very ill if you're not ready for it. So we really work on the nutrition on the base. We make sure that everything is no nutritional deficiencies, the diet is good, fix the gut. When all that is done and the immune system is strong enough, then we can start to detox. And then there's some amazing products out there that we use to help support the immune system, detox out the mold. And most often than not, doing that and getting the mold out of the house, supporting the immune system, working on the gut, people get out of it. They feel much better. It's good. That's wonderful. And in terms of your practice, what are the most common things that you see over and over again that people listening probably could relate to? Some of the issues that people are coming to you with? Yeah, I think the big one is probably gut issues and fatigue. Fatigue, yes. How related are the gut issues and fatigue? Fatigue is a syndrome or a symptom of pretty much everything, of weak immune system, of hormonal imbalances, of stress, mental stress, physical stress. So fatigue is a symptom. And nearly everyone that comes in my clinic is like, I'm tired, I'm fatigued, I have brain fog, it's hard. There's lots of reasons for fatigue. Obviously, the first one is sleep. Are you sleeping enough? Are you sleeping well? Are you getting that deep restorative sleep? It's hard to. A lot of people aren't. By the time we hit our 40s and we're a little bit more smart, then our hormones start to drop and then we don't sleep as well. It's like this double-edged sword. Fatigue can also be a lot because of nutritional deficiencies. So I urge people to get blood tests to see like, what are your vitamin D levels? What are your iron levels? This is a big one for women. Most women that I see have low iron levels and ferritin specifically, which is the iron storage. B levels like B12, B9, what are those levels? When you fix those nutritional deficiencies, the fatigue can improve. So when I speak about nutritional deficiencies, I always explain to people, when you go and do a blood test, your doctor might say to you, oh, everything's normal. You're fine. You're in the ranges. But I don't look at what's normal. I look at what's optimal. And it's more important, not if you're in the range, where are you along the range? Are you in the lower end of the range or the higher end of the range? Just for an example, I'll give you like vitamin D. The range is between zero to 30 or 10 to 30, 40. A lot of people are around 30 mark and then the doctor will be like, you're fine. But I say, actually, no, you know, you should be above 50 in the vitamin D mark, even above 70 if you've got any kind of risk for autoimmunity or cancer. So that's how are you in the range? Same goes for ferritin levels. I see so many women that have ferritin levels lower than 50. If you've got levels lower than 50, you're going to be tired. Your hair is going to be falling out. Let's be clear. People need to work with you to get all the answers, but what are some of the first steps somebody does to increase their ferritin level? Is it more complex than taking supplements? Why is your ferritin level low? That's a question that we need to ask. Maybe if you're a vegetarian and you don't eat red meat, then that could be the reason, right? That you are just not getting iron in your diet. So maybe it's as simple as taking a supplement there. But maybe, and this is something that I see very commonly, people that eat like a normal diet and they're eating red meat in their diet, but they're not absorbing because their gut is not working well. 
And that's where we need to work on the gut. Or if it's women, especially perimenopausal women who have very strong bleeding, they're losing a lot of blood. So we need to address that. Why are you bleeding so much? How do we maybe work on that? I've worked with so many women that have had to have iron transfusion after iron transfusion because they just have very heavy bleeding every month. So there's lots of root causes that we can do, but fatigue is a big one and nutritional deficiencies are first step for me. And probably the next step after that is assessing the thyroid. Again, very often doctors just test the TSH levels. The range for the doctors is anywhere from 0.5 to 4.5. Some doctors even take it more. I always say the range is between 0.5 to 2.5 for TSH, which is thyroid stimulating hormone. And if you're above that, then your thyroid is slow. And if your thyroid is slow, then your metabolism is slower and your mood is slower and your energy is slower. Like it's all just slow. And that needs to be assessed and addressed as well. So thyroid is a big one. Nutritional deficiencies are big ones. Sleep is a big one. Just that is a lot. And most people have a lot of work in that. The gut as well. That's a big one. You mentioned with yourself that you had taken steroids and probably antibiotics, I imagine, when you were younger and that had messed up your gut. What are some other things besides fatigue, any symptoms of a gut dysfunction, leaky gut. We hear about that term. Yeah. So common gut things that you see is bloating, reflux, which is a big one as well. Constipation slash diarrhea slash IBS, which is this umbrella term for someone that doesn't have regular bowel motion. Those are the big ones around the gut. Then we've got the smaller issues, SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, And then we have people that have gut issues, but don't have any gut symptoms, but they have autoimmunity or they have cancer or they have skin issues. So the gut might not be giving them problems. The problem might be appearing somewhere else, but the root cause is the gut. And how would that lend to cancer issues? So I'll explain a little bit in a moment about what is the gut in charge of. I tell people, if you have gut issues, you're lucky because you know that the problem is in the gut. Those without gut issues may walk around thinking, oh, I don't have anything wrong with my gut. It's just my skin or it's just my mood. It has nothing to do with my gut. But in those people, it's harder for me to convince them. I need to then do testing and show them how their gut is messed up and what they need to do. Gut busters, you were asking me about things that affect the gut negatively. So you're right. Medication is a big one. Like antibiotics and steroids, those are the big ones. But a lot of people are taking regular medication like antidepressants. The oral contraceptive pill, so many women are on oral contraceptive pill. That's a massive gut buster. So medications is for sure one. So you shouldn't just get off medications. You should ask your doctor before, but there are a lot of medications that we take very easily like Advil or any kind of like pain relief. And so a lot of us are popping too many pills, way too many pills. Alcohol, another big one. We're all self-medicating with alcohol. Alcohol is a big issue today for women and also for men, but even more so for women. We know that women since the pandemic are drinking a lot more than they used to. And that's definitely negatively affecting the gut. Sugar, processed foods, white foods, and even things like chemicals, various soaps and shampoos, and even dishwashing detergents that contain very harsh chemicals that when you ingest them, they start to negatively affect your gut. And even chemicals that are found in our water, whether it's bottled water or tap water, there's chemicals coming in that are affecting our gut. So we call those gut busters. 
And unfortunately, we're not eating the diets that we used to eat that were very gut protective. Not a lot of us are eating these traditional diets with bone broths, aloe vera and honey, all these kind of natural foods that support the gut lining. And so the gut has lots of jobs. It breaks down your food. It also serves as a first line of defense in your immune system because everything that you drink, eat, or breathe goes through the gut before it gets into your body. And the gut actually really knows to differentiate friend from foe. And also the gut has its army. It's called the good bacteria, the microbiome, right? The microbiome consists of good and bad bacteria, but the good bacteria, they're the probiotics. Their job is first line of defense. They're the body's army. Interestingly, also these good gut bacteria produce neurotransmitters. They produce serotonin. 90% of serotonin is made in the gut. So what we once thought that depression and anxiety were issues of the brain, we now know that they're not. They're issues of the gut. So when someone is, is presenting with anxiety and depression, we know that the gut has a lot of work. First of all, it's like, I'm sure people can be like, wow, everything could really be a gut buster. But I'm thinking of ways that we can, like you said, low-hanging fruit, water. What should people think about for water, like in terms of purification or what are your thoughts of Brita filters or these bigger filtration systems that people put in? Not everybody can necessarily afford. What is the ideal if money was not the issue? It really depends where you are in the world because different places in the world have different water qualities. And it's important to check in the place that you're living, what is the quality of the water? But in general, the idea is to stay away from bottled plastic water because very often it's distilled. It means it's kind of dead water. It has no living energy in it. And also it's coming in plastic, which is bad for the earth and bad for you. The idea is to try and focus more on tap water that has been filtered well. And when I say filtered well, it means that we're using charcoal filters to filter out chemicals like chlorine and also all kinds of contaminants and bacteria and stuff like that, but also other things like fluoride, for example. You want to be filtering out fluoride. So the Brita is a very simple filter. I wouldn't say it's the Rolls-Royce. I wouldn't say it's even a very good quality filter. It's a simple filter. There are a couple of companies that I like, none of them that I work for, just stuff that I use at home that I like. There's a company called Epic Water Filters that is very similar to the Brita. It's like a jug and you can put it on your kitchen counter. And that's something that's convenient for people that don't want to invest in a big water filter system. You're right. The big water filter systems are very expensive. And also not everyone wants to invest in something like that. If you're renting an apartment, you don't want to do a reverse osmosis in your kitchen, right? There is Aqua True or True Aqua. That's a combination of a charcoal-based filter and a reverse osmosis, but it's also on the countertop. So there's a lot of research and there's a lot of good companies and it's a good idea to get a water filter. I would say it's probably one of the first things people should do because water is something that you should be drinking every day, three liters a day. If you just do one thing, it's get a good quality water filter and drink a lot. Yes. Hydration is another thing I think when people are tired. Sometimes they need to think like, are you drinking enough? Because that can fatigue you. I know for me, that's my first thing. Like, have I drank enough? Did I have enough to eat or whatever? And how about like for the water that we are putting on our bodies, like showering or bathing? Same idea, try and do some filtering there. If you can, yeah. Those filters are much cheaper. 
your skin is the biggest organ and it absorbs everything that you put on it. So obviously filtering the water is a great one if you can. And then also I forgot to say with the water filter, it's also a good idea to remineralize the water once you've filtered it because you're filtering out minerals as well. So it's a good idea to remineralize the water. And there's various ways you could buy mineral stones and put them at the bottom of your water filter where you can buy mineral drops and add them in. But that also helps a lot. Let's talk about your offerings because I'm sure you do individual sessions with clients. Do you do them virtually? Like, could you have a client in the United States or is that you really need to see the people in person? Yeah. So thanks to COVID. <laughs> yeah. That forced me to work globally, which is great. I definitely work on Zoom 90% of the time. I see people one-on-one. -on -one. Those are for more like complicated cases when they're at their wits end. They've seen so many doctors and so many people and they just don't feel great. And that's where I'll see the more complicated cases. I do a lot of online workshops. What I love about my workshops is how beautiful it is that I get people from all over the world, which is always fun. On various topics, whether it's hormones and midlife for women, if it's weight loss, if it's ADD and ADHD, if it's cancer. I do a lot of online workshops. If you follow me on socials or if you're on my newsletter, then you'll know that I do a lot of online workshops. And the idea with the online workshops is that if you can't afford to see me, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, at least you can get access to all the information. Like even with ADHD, I did the workshop because I was so passionate about it. And I knew that a lot of parents couldn't afford to come see me privately, but I was like, I want this information to be out there so that everybody can know it. And I've written lots of eBooks and short videos and stuff like that, that you can access on my website. So it really fits every budget. Everybody can find something that they'll benefit from. And the only thing I do face-to-face -face is a once a year retreats, which I do together with a very, very close friend of mine and an amazing practitioner where we do the, both the body and the mind. I do the functional medicine part and he does the emotional, spiritual part. And that's a very healing experience that we typically do in very beautiful places in the world. So yeah, you should join. I would love to. I would love to. We'll have to talk about that. So Corinne, where can people find out more about you? Of course, we'll have this in the show notes, but you obviously have such a wealth of knowledge and I think we could just talk forever about all this stuff. And I just love that you have followed your passion. I think that it shows so much that this wealth of knowledge comes from your own curiosity and compassion that you want to share. Yeah, thank you. I'm lucky that I can follow my dream. So I'm on social media. I'm, Instagram is Corinne Gouji Berry, like the berry. And then my website is nutritious and like nellydelicious.com. I'm sure you'll put a link there. And you can then join my mailing list and be on my newsletter where I don't send a lot, but once a month, I just update with my workshops and stuff like that. And that's typically where people will be able to see what I do and see my offerings as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. It was just a delight to talk to you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for everybody listening. And as always, I'm pulling for you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Redefining Movement. If you like what you've heard, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Feel free to leave us a rating and review or share with someone you know. Check us out at www.litmethod.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.